The following podcast is sponsored by the new Hood College Gear Shop. The Gear Shop replaces the old Hood College bookstore. Most of us remember the bookstore as just a place where we bought or rented books. Well, that's not the case anymore. The Hood College Gear Shop is a great place to buy all kinds of things. Need some Hood branded merch? You'll find hoodies and t-shirts, hats and scarves, sweats and socks, mugs and cups. They even have Hood branded blankets. Low on shampoo or soap? They have you covered. Bad breath before class? Buy some gum or Tic Tacs. Need a pen, highlighter, or notebook? The gear shop has tons. Does your roommate have a dog? Buy them a Hood College leash or collar. Need some Advil or Tums? The gear shop has your back. Need a last minute birthday gift for your best friend? You'll find plenty of options. What I'm saying is the Hood College gear shop has you covered for all your gifts, school, snack, and blazer branded clothing needs. So next time you're in WIT, stop in and browse around. Mention my name, Brianne Thomas, and the name of this podcast, Ghostly History, and receive 10% off your purchase of any Hood branded merch. But listen to the show first. Hello, and welcome to Ghostly History. I am Brianne Thomas. Ghostly History is where we talk about ghost stories from history. Today we are talking about Colonial Williamsburg. Get your snacks and be ready. Here's the story. Williamsburg was founded as the Virginia Colony's capital in 1699. Previously before that, the, the capital was Jamestown. Williamsburg was named after King William III and is and is 324 years old. It also was one of America's first planned cities. Today we are talking about Colonial Williamsburg though. So Colonial Williamsburg is right now is a living museum. They have several hundred buildings that are either restored or recreated to be what the original town was. I've been to Colonial Williamsburg and all the buildings there are very accurate to the time and are pretty cool to go in. But this podcast is about ghost stuff. So, here's some ghost stories. But this podcast is about ghost stuff. So, so our first ghost story from Colonial Williamsburg. This took place in Shields Tavern. Okay, so... There was a night where there was a person going around giving the ghost tours that are offered at Colonial Williamsburg. And, the, and there was a couple other employees. They decided to have some fun. And they had an Ouija board. And the original owner of the tavern was James Shields. And so they decided to try to contact Frances Shields, the tavern owner's daughter. She was not written into his will. So they thought it'd be cool to try to contact her with the Ouija board. They started out by asking the question, Francis, are you here? And the triangle moved to yes, which a couple people there were skeptical and they thought it was a joke at first. But they kept going and they asked, Francis, are you willing to talk? And the triangle again moved to yes. And then they asked, Francis, were you written out of your father's will? And again... And went to yes. 
And then at this point, the group heard footsteps, but they assumed it was from the person who was giving the tour returning. But that person was not in the building, and the only people in the building were the group who were around the Ouija board. I personally am being a little skeptic about this story because the tavern was is one of the buildings in Colonial Williamsburg that was restored, and it's an old building. There's a lot of old wood, it creaks, the foundation's cracked and shifts. It's anything could be possible that could have moved this. There could have been a groundhog in the ground that moved something right that caused a creak throughout the building. But we have another story from the building. There was a worker on a closing shift one evening that had to go down to the basement and pick up pick up something. She heard something familiar from the corner of the room, which she perceived to be her own voice and asked, who's there? The voice responded, I thought you would have known by now. This does seem believable because it's hard to, if you hear something, it's hard to like make up what you actually heard. This one's more believable because if you're hearing words, you're going to hear them. You're not going to hear something that isn't words. There's like phrases like that. You can't just, your mind won't make up a creak and then be like, oh my gosh, it was a whole phrase. Another thing to happen at Colonial Williamsburg is guests taking pictures of unexplainable figures at the Peyton Randolph House. Which this house is supposedly one of the most haunted buildings on the East Coast. Which I did not know this. I've been to Colonial Williamsburg dozens of times in my life since I was little. And I've never heard that that was one of the most haunted places. When, do, when looking up information for this podcast, I learned this. Thought that, I thought that was a neat fact. But in the Peyton Randolph house, one night, once a security guard had locked up the building for the night, he heard sounds of children playing, which that's expected to be the ghost of the Peachy children because the Peachies own the house after the Randolphs. Next up, we have North America's first mental asylum. It was established in 1773, and patients were subject to electroshock therapy, isolation, bleeding, strong drugs, and a whole lot more. In 1841, things started to change when Dr. John Minson Galt II became the hospital's superintendent. Galt worked in the hospital for 21 years until he was forced out during the Battle of Williamsburg by Union soldiers. It is said he took his own life after being devastated about his patients that were forgotten. Galt overdosed on laudum, a very strong opiate, and was found dead on his homes on the hospital grounds. Soon after his death, the Lee family moved into his home. Mrs. Lee wrote, I could not do nothing to get the blood stain out of the floorboards. No amount of scrubbing would remove it. We finally had to pull up the soiled portion and replace it with fresh wood. I was shocked to find 
The very next morning, the stain somehow made its way onto the new flooring. My children were frightened. They wake me most night claiming a man is in the upstairs room where Dr. Galt died. After Galt's home was torn down, it is said that his ghost moved to the asylum. An employee working there said, Tourists complain of sudden gusts of wind sweeping through the walls. What's even more strange is sometimes when we arrive in the mornings, the bed in the expedition room looks as if someone slept in it. Another employee said, At times, items in the hospital seem to disappear. No matter how long we search, we can never find them. And then later in the day, they magically appear. Sometimes I think our ghost is a practical joker. Maybe he's bored and needs to get into a little mischief. My next subject of Colonial Williamsburg is the Bruton Parish Church. The church is the oldest surviving building in Colonial Williamsburg, and it was finished being built in 1683. That's over 300 years ago. It served as a makeshift hospital during the Civil War, and later became a mass burial site for about 100 soldiers killed during the Battle of Williamsburg. There is a gorgeous cemetery surrounding the church with graves marked from the 17th century until the 20th century. There's a wide range of people buried in the cemetery from unknown Confederate soldiers to one of the church's colonial reverends' wives. One of the colonial reverends of this church was named Robert Hunt, and he is buried in the cemetery with both of his wives. While, while the reverend's first wife was in child labor, their complications arose and she sadly died. But on her deathbed, while on her deathbed, the reverend proclaimed his undying love for her and told her he could not live without her by his side. And during this, he asked her to wait for him in heaven so that they could be together. Three months after her death, the reverend was riding into town in a carriage with a tombstone he had made for her grave. During this time, witnesses saw his wife roaming the church in the cemetery grounds, even sitting in one of the church pews. But the reverend brought the tombstone to the cemetery with his new wife. After this, the reverend's late wife was still seen on the church grounds and in the church, but she was seen crying and wailing and angry because her husband broke his oath to her. And then that insult to injury, the reverend buried his new wife when she died right next to her. And then when the reverend died, he was buried next to the new wife. So she wasn't even next to her husband. She was next to his husband's new wife all throughout death. If I was the reverend's wife, I'd be mad. I'd be haunting that place. I'd be a poltergeist. There would be no one in that place that'd be safe for me. Like, if I if I got married, died, and then once my husband died, I was buried next to his new wife? No. No. If, if I ever get married and I die, that person's not to move on. They're going to be sad and lonely for the rest of their lives. Because I'm amazing and everyone should mourn me. There should not be a new partner. 
Next up, we have the Public Gal. It is a two-story brick prison near the east end of Williamsburg. In 1699, when Williamsburg was first established, they realized there is a need for a jail, but they underestimated the size that they needed because there was a lot more people that they were going to throw in jail than the jail could support. These people that they were going to throw in jail include runaway slaves, sleeves, Tories, and spies. The exercise yard to the prison was added in 1703. And in 1711, a separate building was added. And a separate building for the jailer to live in was added in 1722. The jail itself was inhumane with freezing cold cells, terrible food, typhoid outbreaks, and gal fever. Fun fact, one of the most famous inmates of the of this gal was Blackbeard. After Blackbeard and his crew were captured, they were taken to Williamsburg to stand trial and were held in the gal in 1704. Today, spirits of the inmates are said to still be locked up in the jail. There have been reports of two apparitions of women who have been seen looking in the jailer's quarters. Sounds of their conversations and heavy footsteps can be heard below. This podcast this week is teaching me a lot about Colonial Williamsburg. I did not know. Like, I grew up going there. I learned about it in school. It's I grew up in Virginia. It's just... I just, there's just so much information I'm realizing I don't know about this place. I never knew Blackbeard was ever in Virginia, especially in Williamsburg. It's cool, because I've, I've been to the Gal building, and it, it's pretty neat to see, all, see everything, see the jails, and it does feel really cold, <laughs> even during the summer when I, when I used to go. It was cold in those buildings. I'm not sure if I said this already. But I, majority of the buildings I'm talking about today, I've been in. They're all cool. I 10 out of 10 recommend Colonial Williamsburg if you ever want to go. There is buildings you got, you have to pay to go into the buildings. But if you just want to go walk around, it's free to do that. You just can't go in any of the buildings without buying the day pass. But it's pretty fun. Like, there's some, like, there's, like, a lot of cool stuff in the buildings. I'll be talking about... Merchant Square next, which I have been to also. Really good candy shop here that sells lollipops with scorpions in it. They do not taste bad. They're just a little crunchy. But the banana-flavored lollipops aren't good. If you go, do not get the banana-flavored lollipops. But this story took place during the Civil War. Along Henry Street was a small white home that belonged to the Moore family. Thomas Moore inherited the home from his older brother, who had been killed in the war. Thomas had a reputation as a womanizer, and one day met Constance Hall. Constance and Thomas spent every day together all throughout town. Their affair was no secret, but after three months, Constance's husband found out. It was believed Mr. Hall was away during these three months, and then once he got back to Williamsburg, he killed Thomas. 
the neighbors saw him return to the home of Constance, who he had threatened and forced to help him hide the body. The couple hid Thomas's body in the basement and were seen exiting from the home. Neighbors knew something was wrong when they had not seen Thomas Moore for several days. The police entered the search for Thomas in his home, and they eventually found his body in the basement. The Hall couple were the immediate suspects of the murder. Mr. Hall confessed in exchange for setting his wife free. Mr. Hall spent the rest of his life behind bars. Constance was ostracized, and her reputation was ruined. And she fled Williamsburg soon after. And it is said Thomas More spends his afterlife roaming the streets and stores in Merchant Square. His apparition has been reported wandering along the square streets. I don't blame Constance at all for this. She, like, during this time, she was just trying to find happiness. She was stuck probably in a loveless marriage, unhappy, just bored. She finally found someone that made her happy, and then he gets killed, and then she's made to help hide the body. This isn't her fault. It's the time period's fault, and men thinking that they're better. What, what makes your brain think of murder? There are so many stories of people who have affairs, and then their partner just goes to kill the other person. Like, no. Get out of the relationship. Don't murder the other person. But I guess during this time, divorce was seen as taboo. Like, I guess he and Constance would have been ostracized if, if they got divorced. But murder. Why murder? Easily could have just paid Thomas off to leave her alone. There's so much on the Peyton Randolph house. I decided to break it up into two parts just to keep it a little interesting. But the Peyton Randolph house has taken over 30 lives since 1750. There have been freak accidents, murder, war, mysterious natural illnesses. And then I got a little story of myself for here. When I first visited Colony Williamsburg, when I was about eight years old, I was afraid to go into this building. I just absolutely refused. I have since gone into the building, but when I first, there was just something off about the house and I refused to go in. I sat outside on a bench while I watched my mom, my friend, and my friend's mom go into the building. <laughs> but this building is over 200 years old. That's one of the most famous buildings in Kelowna and Williamsburg. This house is one of the main houses for the ghost stores that happen in Kelowna and Williamsburg, which I've personally not taken one, but I want to. I've wanted to for years, just have never gotten around to it. But in this house, voices are heard inside, objects move on their own, and there has been a ton of ghost visitors. One of them being the French general of the American Revolution, Marquise de Lafayette. It is said people have felt hands touch them and push them, and there have been ports of people being pushed down flights of stairs. Lafayette himself wrote about some of the mysterious happenings in the Peyton house. He wrote, I consider myself fortunate to lodge in the home of a great man, Peyton Randolph. 
Upon my arrival, as I entered through the foyer, I felt a hand on my shoulder. It nudged me as if intending to keep me from entering. I quickly turned, but found no one there. The nights were not restful, as the sounds of voices kept me awake for most of my stay. Lafayette also had visited Frederick at a time on one of the placards downtown. I don't remember where, but it talks about when Lafayette came through here. He visited a lot of places after the Revolutionary War, just doing like a victory tour. But just even back then, there was notions of ghosts in the building. It's, it's a lot. Wonder now, I wonder if anyone stayed in the building recently, has heard anything. It'd be cool. Like, Colonial Williamsburg has a lot of cool stuff in it. And I really want to go through and do a ghost tour. It is on my bucket list because I, I love Colonial Williamsburg. I am a very sentimental person and I've been going there since I was a kid. So that place has sentimental value to me. So I would love to do a ghost tour. I also wonder if there's a count, like, how many ghosts have been seen, like, a count of how many ghosts are just in Williamsburg. There's some of the places there are some of the most haunted places in the U.S. I think out of the top 25 haunted places in the U.S., Williamsburg has five? I think that was the statistic, but even then, having more than two of the most haunted buildings is a lot. Like, especially the Peyton House. The Peyton House is said to be one of the more haunted buildings on there. And there's it has some of the most reports and sightings. But I, but I think my favorite story that I've talked about today was the asylum. I'm, I'm a big nut for learning about mental health history. What they used to do to patients and everything. So that, that's, that's probably why it's my favorite. But oddly enough, that is like... One of the few buildings I talked about today, I haven't been in. I've been in so many of the buildings in Williamsburg, but not the mental hospital. I need to make a trip there. Next summer when I'm home, I'm going to go. Pretty much, I don't live in Williamsburg, but Williamsburg is like a 30-minute drive from me. Fun fact, though, I will be in Williamsburg this weekend, but not Colonial Williamsburg, sadly. But I need, I need to go again. I need to go, and I need to go do a ghost tour and I need to go do all the all the haunted places there. There's just so many. It's, it seems exciting. Thank you for listening to Ghostly History. I'm Brianne Thomas. Come back next week to listen to the story of the history of haunted houses. Hope you listen to the next one.